Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's Gospel reading is the last teaching in a set of four when Jesus was invited to dine with one of the rulers of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. Although it doesn't seem like an ordinary dinner to enjoy food and fellowship following church services, it seems more like a dinner with an agenda. I think we've all may have had something like that in our, in our past, where you know you're being checked out by the hosts of the party. They are there to watch Jesus closely, and they wanted to catch him doing something wrong. So as we back up in the readings, it's, it's helpful to understand the context a little bit better. When Jesus arrives at the dinner, he sees a man there that has dropsy. And so he asked if it's lawful to heal that man on the Sabbath. And before he allows them to even answer, Jesus heals the man and asks in return, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And before they have the opportunity to accuse Jesus, he turns the tables on them. Rather than catching Jesus and breaking the law, Jesus watches them closely and begins to teach them. When he sees them jostling around for that seat of honor, he tells the parable of a wedding feast. He tells them that whenever, or whenever you hear a wedding feast in one of Jesus' parables, I want you to think heavenly feast. This isn't just a, a, a social guideline that he's trying to teach us here. He's teaching us about heaven. So when he tells them, uh, or when, uh, let me back up here, Jesus tells them of somebody at a wedding feast who enters and takes the seat of honor only to be ushered to a common seat to his humiliation. By this, Jesus illustrates how pride leads to humiliation. Let others praise you or promote you rather than praise and promote yourself. No matter what others say or do, your greatest promotion is when the Heavenly Father calls you his beloved child through Christ. Then Jesus teaches them that they should not invite people to dinner with the expectation of repayment. Many gathered there that evening would feel some sort of a sense of obligation to the host. They would feel the need to invite him and everyone else there that evening to a dinner, serving even finer food and even finer drink. With that same sense of humility, they should invite those who were unable to repay. In the same way, God invites us to the heavenly banquet. We are not worthy to be invited and have no means to pay, and yet he invites us regardless. And that's what brings us to the gospel this morning. So he's there at this dinner, and he's teaching them the entire time. And that's when he tells us this story. He tells us this parable that a man hosts a great banquet and invites many to enjoy the feast with him. Now remember that in Jesus' time, one would first send out an invitation. And then once all of those, inv- those invitations were returned, telling them that uh, who would come, the host would prepare the, uh, the meal. We didn't quite have an app back then where we could schedule who's coming and just click yes or no and know who's on the way and things like that. We, we didn't have anything like that. And they didn't exactly have a, a, a GPS uh, 
controlled watch where they would know the exact time to know exactly when five o'clock supper would be. They would prepare it and then when it was done, they would invite everybody to come and enjoy the feast. And as we heard in our parable, the servants went out and let everybody know that everything was ready. Only when the servants go out, it's not the reception that they expect. They go out to those who are invited and everyone begins to make excuses. Rightly so, this man is furious and instructs his servants to fill his hall with those who would greatly appreciate his generosity. The supper is ready, but we hear nothing but excuses. And as we look to the excuses, two of them, well, they're legitimate reasons to refrain from military service. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 20, And is there any man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man enjoy its fruit. And is there anyone who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. So it's interesting again that we're talking about a feast, and yet they're bringing up excuses for going to war. The other excuse that we hear is that this man bought five yoke of oxen. The implication is that he's very wealthy. It would only take one yoke of oxen to take care of your typical property. But this man has five. He's got ten ox that he needs to tend to, that he needs to look after. This man has five yoke, and he wants to go inspect them rather than attend the feast. Regardless, the man is not asking them to go off to war. He's not asking them to give up their oxen. He's not asking them to choose between a wife and the banquet. He's inviting them to come enjoy his generosity. So whenever we listen to a parable like this, and we hear of the man, and we hear of the the banquet, or we hear of a field, think of God inviting all of us. God is the man, and the banquet is the heavenly feast. So as we look for this heavenly meaning of our parable, there are a few ways that we can look at this. First and foremost, when we put this into the context of the day, Jesus is speaking to his immediate audience. He's speaking to the Pharisees. They have been invited to enjoy the feast of heaven, and God has graciously invited them to enjoy all the blessings of heaven. From the beginning, he declared them to be his people. And as much as they grumbled, they still remained his chosen people. But now that the Messiah reclines at the very table with them, they seek to discredit him. They seek to expel him. They seek even to kill him rather than embrace him. Jesus' message to the Pharisees is clear. They have been invited, but now that the feast is ready, they are making excuses. They are rejecting the generosity of the Father, and he is not happy. And this is one of those texts that makes it easy for us to kind of take the self-righteous position, to look at those Pharisees and look down our noses at them and say, 
I would never be like one of those Pharisees. I would never reject one of those invitations. How silly and how foolish of them. But we are easily distracted by their foolishness and neglect to turn the mirror in our own direction. It feels so good to see their obvious failures that we forget to reflect on our own failures. Jesus' lesson regarding turning our backs on the gracious invitation of the Father applies to us as well. How often do we neglect his gracious invitations? We are invited every week to hear the word of God and receive the forgiveness of sins. Yet our excuses sound even worse than the ones in our parable. There's a football game to go to. There's a baseball game to go to. There's a park. It's a wonderful weather. There's this concert. There's that concert. There's any number of things that would pull us away from church. We are invited every week to the Feast of the Lord's Supper And yet, how often do we give other things a much higher priority? Christ offers true rest for our weary souls. And instead, we choose to continue on our own. We choose to seek comfort on our own. What's more, there are even more invitations that we ignore. Christ offers the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding Yet what do we rely on? We rely on our own strength. We rely on our own ingenuity. We rely on our own wisdom. We try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Give that a try sometime. See how far you get. We attempt to control the things that are outside of our control. We could have peace. But we allow the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature to keep us in chaos. It's a very popular opinion that we have no need of a church. And this has been true for many, many years. It's popular to believe that one can worship God on a mountaintop as well as in the church. We can worship God on a golf course, hiking a nature trail, or around the breakfast table with our family on a lazy Sunday morning. We give up the gracious invitation of the Father to feast on his body and blood or to feast on the body and blood of Christ, rather. We give up his gracious invitation for the forgiveness of sins, and we look to ourselves. We separate ourselves from that vital community of Christ. The warning for us is clear. We, too, are at risk of, re- of rejecting the gracious invitation of the Father. We, too, are at risk of making excuses Just like the Pharisees, we like to think that we're good enough on our own. We like to think that we really don't need the forgiveness of sins because, well, we're we're pretty good after all. At every turn, we prove ourselves to be unworthy of his invitation. Yet this is the beauty of the parable that we read this morning. When those that are invited to the feast made excuses God instead filled his banquet hall with the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He instructed his servants to go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. These aren't pretty titles for us, but we gladly bear them. 
We are the poor. We are the crippled. We are the blind. And we are the lame. In the military, we always called them the sick, lame, and lazy that would gather at the battalion aid station rather than go out into the fields. These are the very people that Christ comes for. We are the travelers passing through this life that God compels to come. Christ comes to you and fills you with the Holy Spirit. He enlivens our hearts to believe in Christ as our Savior. He forgives all your sins and gives you everlasting life. In this life, we enjoy a foretaste of the feast to come. We enjoy the body and blood of Christ to strengthen our faith through the forgiveness of sins. And he dwells with us when, when we are at our best and even when things are at our worst. Christ is always there at our side. We read in our epistle this morning, but now Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near, not by our actions, but by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken us down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Coming to church is far more than a social gathering. It's far more than just an entertainment option on Sunday morning. It is far more than a mere intellectual pursuit. Christ gathers his children together to feed body and soul to life everlasting. And the greatest banquet is yet to come. As we depart this life, our souls will immediately be taken to heaven where we enjoy all the blessings of heaven. And then on the last day, Christ will stand before our graves and call us to come out. From there, all believers in Christ will be taken body and soul to the new heavens and the new earth, where there will be no more tears, no more sadness, no more goodbyes, no more hate, no more violence. For this parable of the great banquet is a wonderful word for us to consider this morning. In one sense, it is truly heartbreaking that so many found an excuse rather than go to the banquet. On the other hand, God would not allow his banquet hall to remain empty. We see in this parable the graciousness of the triune God. Thanks be to God that he seeks us out. He finds us, the poor, 
the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He goes to the highways and hedges to find us. Unlike the grand banquets that we see in Hollywood, D.C., or New York, God's invitations aren't reserved for the rich and the powerful. They aren't reserved for the elite. Christ came to save sinners. He came for those who were far off. He came for those who were outside the tribe of Israel. And he makes us one people. We pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have taught us what you would have us believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit for the sake of Jesus Christ to hold fast to your word in hearts that you have cleansed, that thereby we may be made strong in faith and perfect in holiness and be comforted in life and death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.